The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Obviously, getting drafted as high as I did, um, you know, the my expectations were to go in there, play 20 years, and, you know, win Super Bowls. And, you know, that was the dream, going in there. And um, But obviously, it didn't work out. But now, you know, coming in as a Carolina Panther, I'm very excited. Obviously, we you know, we brought here Sam here because we think he can um, play at a really high level. So, I mean, that, that, you know, that would be obvious. But, you know, I literally just met him 10 minutes ago. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I think so much has to play out over the offseason. I, I don't know that I could say exactly where we are yet. Um, I think that'll all play out. But, but we obviously do feel really good about Sam and, um, you know, what, what he has the potential to do. All signs point towards them starting this over with, with another rookie quarterback. Uh, you were a rookie quarterback with the Jets. You spent your last three years with the Jets. So what advice would you give that player going to this team? And, and what kind of a team do you believe that that, that next quarterback is coming into with the Jets? Um, have fun and don't pay attention to the media. That's pretty good advice for anyone. Have fun and don't pay attention to the media, like us. Shereen Williams, Mike Florio here for another edition of PFTPM. Monday afternoon, 17 days from now, we will be getting ready for the draft to commence. One of the top pass rushers in this year's pool of talent, Gregory Rousseau, University of Miami, will be joining us live here in roughly a half hour. Shereen, good afternoon. Welcome back. How are you? I'm good, Mike. Happy Monday to you. I had another one of these unfortunate experiences where I tried to get my workout in before the show and the shower, <laughs> like with George Costanza, didn't take. So please don't interrogate me on whether or not I stole the equipment from the clubhouse. The sweat will give me away. So hopefully we can avoid a full-blown Albert Brooks in broadcast news incident. I know I say that every time. I feel like it every time. It's just weird. Some days it happens. Some days it doesn't. I like to get in my workout before the 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern show. Some days, sweat gone. Other days, it never stops. Anyway, first world problems of the highest order. First world problems for Patriots receiver Julian Edelman after a career that some have said may land him in the Hall of Fame. I don't think he's done enough to get to the Hall of Fame, but he is a Super Bowl MVP, and he has been a great addition and fixture for the New England Patriots for over a decade. Cut by the team today, failed physical, showed up on the transaction report, just kind of a perfunctory, see you later, Julian Edelman. The knee is a problem, Shereen. There was a report last week. He may not be able to play a full season in 2021, if he plays a season at all in 2021, there's a chance he's going to be playing for someone other than the Patriots. Yeah, and speculation's already started, Mike, that this is it for Julian Edelman. And if it is it, what a great career this guy's had, going from undrafted rookie to four years of doing literally nothing for the Patriots to coming on and having really a great career. You look at what he did in the postseason, and that's what I remember him for. But he was outstanding in the postseason, 118 catches, 
uh, over 1,000 yards, almost 1,500 yards, five touchdowns in 19 career games. And as you said, Mike, he was the MVP of that Super Bowl victory over the Rams. He had 10 catches for 141 yards. I voted for him for MVP in that game. I thought he was the best player in that game and really made a difference for the Patriots. But what an outstanding career this guy has had to go from undrafted to, to now uh, retiring perhaps after 11 seasons. But I'd love to see him play, whether it's trying to come back in 2021 or 2022. And I think we all know where we might see him end up, even though the Buccaneers are loaded at that position. But Tom Brady and Julian Edelman were, were quite a combo for many years, Mike. Yeah, I don't care how loaded they are at the position. I don't care. I think he's going to Tampa. This is hardly a stretch. I am not venturing far out onto the limb to say that Julian Edelman is destined to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer at some point this year. They don't have to sign him now. They don't have to sign him in August. They don't have to sign him in September. Just keep him around. Move him in with Tommy, just like Antonio Brown. Entirely different circumstances as to why you just want to keep him around. There isn't an eight-game suspension to be served by Julian Edelman, for example. But just keep him around, keep him in shape, and bring him around when? When the games mean the most. When the postseason approaches. When the postseason starts. When the postseason has progressed to the games that matter most, whenever you unleash Julian Edelman, you do it strategically, you do it tactically, and you do it with the goal towards cementing Super Bowl championship number two. And if Edelman's on the team, along with Gronk, along with Brady, that's the triple-barreled middle finger to Bill Belichick. Now, I understand (laughs) that injuries are what brought Julian Edelman to the end of the road in New England, but still, Brady knows him, Brady trusts him, Brady loves him, Brady's going to want him. Peter King and I were talking about this on Friday, and Peter was poo-pooing the possibility because he said they've done so much for Brady already. He won him a Super Bowl. He gets whatever he wants. Here, Tom, who do you want us to sign now? You want us to sign this guy? Fine, we'll go sign that guy. You want us to sign that guy? Fine, we'll go sign that guy. Just bring us another Super Bowl. We'll keep signing all the guys you want. It's a no-brainer to me. It's a no-brainer. And I remember April 1, April Fool's Day, All those jokes that, number one, aren't very funny, but number two, they have a kernel of truth in them, and the Julian Edelman April Fool's Day gag was a Pirates of the Caribbean, or Caribbean as the case may be, whichever your preference, tomato, tomato, Caribbean, Caribbean, and and, and, you know, he quickly says April Fool's, it may be wishful thinking, or he knows something we don't. Now that he's cut by the Patriots, if he is able to move, even if only on one leg... I think at some point he's going to be on the Buccaneers, Shereen. Well, and Mike, you make a good point that you don't have to do it now. And if he can't make it through an entire season, you do bring him back. If he can make it through four games, five games, six games, whatever, I think he's probably going to have to play a little bit at the end of the season. But you're only talking about half a season maybe or the you know a few games in the postseason, whatever you're talking about at that point. You're not talking about an entire season that you need this guy to play, but he can help you when it matters most, as you said, Mike, because he's been so good in the postseason. That's really when he, he is at his best. And so it does make sense if he can play it off, he wants to continue that career that he ends up in Tampa. I mean, it's just it, – it is almost a no-brainer. And it became clear really – last season when the Buccaneers signed Antonio Brown that this was Tom Brady's team because we all know Bruce Arians based on his public comments did not want AB on the team but Brady got his wish and had AB I guarantee you Tom Brady will want Julian Edelman on his team if Julian Edelman is 
willing to play and able to play, that is what's going to happen at some point. I don't think it happens anytime soon, but if at some point in the season he decides he can play, I think he does end up in Tampa. And remember, Antonio Brown's still not signed. They have all their starters back. Brown and the Buccaneers reportedly far apart when it comes to a contract, and there is reason to be concerned about Brown in 2021. The trial on that civil charge of sexual assault and rape not set for December at some point in the offseason, unless he settles the case, which he should do, just like we say with Deshaun Watson, make it right, have your reckoning, give justice to the person who's accusing you so everyone can move forward with their lives. If you don't do that, Antonio Brown's going to have to submit to a deposition where he's put under oath and he's asked a lot of questions. And if he behaves like he did in the lawsuit for trashing the luxury condo in Miami, it is going to go badly for him in this litigation. And who knows what the NFL does if there's a videotape circulating of Antonio Brown being just over the top belligerent and hostile and maybe gets twisted up in knots and admits to things that get him suspended under the personal conduct policy reasons to not increase whatever it is that they've offered Antonio Brown. And now Julian Edelman comes in different skill set, right? And maybe less available than Antonio Brown would be. But if he's a guy you just kind of keep on hold on the back burner and you work him in, you get him in shape and you use him in the second half of the season, you accelerate his reps as you get closer and closer to the postseason, it, it makes it more likely, not less likely, that this team wins back-to-back championships. They may not need him to win it again, but I just feel like Tom Brady is going gonna, is gonna to want to have that one thing he didn't have last year, Shereen, that guy that he knows so well. It's one brain that they share. One guy knows where the other guy is going to be at all times, no matter the defense, no matter the look, no matter the circumstance. Brady always knows where Edelman's going to be, and Edelman always knows where's, where to go, and he doesn't have someone like that on the Buccaneers. Yeah, it's quite a relationship that the two of them had for so long, Mike. And you look back, Edelman only played six games last year, but one thing that really stood out to me was his yards per catch. Even though he only played six games, he only made 21 catches, he averaged 15 yards a catch. That was a career best for him. So he was able to get downfield in those six games that he played. He was able to run on that knee in the six games he played. So it makes you think that if he could possibly play six games, eight games this season, that he maybe he's able to do that as opposed to trying to play a full 17-game season. We've got the added game this year plus the postseason. That's probably an awful lot to ask on that knee. But if you're only asking him to play those few games – He could be outstanding for Tom Brady, as we know. Yeah, and we'll see how it plays out. The Buccaneers also have acquired running back Gio Bernard on waivers. He was cut – he was – no, not on waivers. He's a vested veteran. He doesn't have to be on waivers. The Bengals acquired Thaddeus Moss on waivers. He's Randy Moss's son. Gio Bernard can sign with anyone he wants, and he signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Makes it seem like LaShawn McCoy is not going to be back. Right, Shireen? Because Leonard Fournette resigned. Absolutely. They still have Ronald Jones. This means no more LaShawn McCoy for the Buccaneers. Not a bad couple of years for LaShawn McCoy, though. Land with the Chiefs, win a Super Bowl. Land with the Bucks, win a Super Bowl. Wherever LaShawn McCoy signs this year, <laughs> pencil him in for Super Bowl 56. And didn't even play, Mike. He didn't play down. He was inactive for both Super Bowls and won two Super Bowl rings. So quite a way to finish your career, I think. I'm sure he would have rather have played. But to end your career with back-to-back Super Bowls, if this is the end for LaShawn McCoy, was quite a way to go out. And even though Gio Varney Bernard's been around nine years, he's still younger than LaShawn McCoy. McCoy, 
Hall of Fame potential, potential. It's always tough with running backs, mm-hmm. but he's been around a lot. He's done a lot, and he does cap his career if this is the end with back-to-back Super Bowls that he didn't play in. The Carolina Panthers and quarterback Sam Donald, a long way to go to get to a Super Bowl. The Panthers desperate to get a franchise quarterback. They tried it with Teddy Bridgewater. Didn't work. Now Sam Darnold met with the media today in Carolina for the first time. Here he is talking about his three years with the New York Jets. Before the trade happened, I I always thought that, you know, um, I could make it work in New York. Um, Just being honest, um, you know, I really did. And um, like I said, I mean, my goal has never changed, even though there was speculation about me getting traded. I always you know, believe that I can make it work and um, that we were going to get pieces and um, just be able to, you know, win some games in New York and go to the playoffs and eventually win a Super Bowl. When I heard the news that they wanted to trade me, um, it was tough. You know, anytime you're not wanted somewhere, that's always, you know, a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, four years ago, this is a guy who was entering his final year at USC with the presumption that he could be the top pick in the 2018 draft. He ended up third overall. The Jets traded up to get him, gave up three second-round picks with the sixth overall pick to get to three and take Sam Darnold. They decided after three years he wasn't the guy, and that has to be a huge blow to the ego, and he talked about that, the relief that he felt when he finally knew what was going to happen. The Jets don't want him. The Panthers do. So now the Panthers see what he has, and the reality is he better show something quickly or they will fall out of love as fast as they did with Teddy Bridgewater. We we know that. What's your future, Sam Darnold in Carolina? Well, talk to Teddy Bridgewater and you'll find out because after one year, they may decide to move on from you and go roll the dice on someone else to be their franchise quarterback. That's where the Panthers are right now. Oh, yeah. Huge year for Sam Darnold, Mike. And you look at the quarterbacks who potentially but could become available in 2022 we're talking about Aaron Rodgers Russell Wilson Deshaun Watson depending on what happens with him but we're talking about big time franchise quarterbacks I know those guys are older but do you not think that the Panthers and that owner would not jump at one of those guys if they got the opportunity to trade for one of those guys there's no question unless Sam Darnold comes out and does what he didn't do in New York and become the franchise quarterback that the Jets thought they were drafting with the third overall I'll pick Mike but you know what the glare is going to be a lot less in Carolina than it was in the New York market for sure so he's got a chance to go and reset and, and try to get it done and we've seen it be done like this Ryan Tannehill is a perfect example now he was in Miami longer than what Darnold was in New York but he went to Tennessee and hit the reset button and got another chance and made good on it used to if your first team the team that drafted you said we're moving on. That was it for you. You look at all those guys who never got that second opportunity, but Sam's getting his second opportunity, just like Ryan Tannehill did. Now it's about making the most of it. And once the Panthers pick up that fifth-year option, that's another $18.58 million mm-hmm. fully guaranteed for Sam Darnold in 2022. He's going to make about $23, $24 million over the next two years. So shed no tears for the guy who was rejected by the New York Jets because he landed in Carolina with that option poised to be picked up. He will be doing pretty darn well over the next couple of years. Here's Matt Rule, the coach of the Panthers, who talked up Cam Newton last year and has talked up Teddy Bridgewater. Now here he is talking up Sam Darnold, which may be, I don't know, the kiss of death. We believe in Sam. We believe in uh, his skill set. We believe in his approach. Um, As you talk to people that know him, he's tough-minded, he's competitive, and um, 
uh, you know, we're really hopeful that this will be a, you know, a, a great place for him. And this will be a tremendous time for him in his career. Matt, what uh, physical skills still jump out to you when you watch Sam Darnold on tape, despite, you know, the, the documented struggles over the last three years? Um, I think uh, when you see his arm talent, um, his ability to, you know, I think I don't think there's a game that you watch where he doesn't make a play that uh, makes you say oh, that, you know, there it is. Uh, can fit the ball into tight windows, um, can create with his feet. He moves around a ton. Um, you know, he uh, uh, creates plays with his legs, extends plays with his legs. Um, and then you, you can just kind of see and feel his grittiness and his toughness. So I think um, I think his arm talent, his movement are, are, are a great fit for uh, the players that we have here that he'll be playing with. Okay, he's good enough to play in the NFL. We've seen that. Have we seen franchise quarterback traits yet? For Sam Donald, we haven't, or he would still be a member of the New York Jets. They had to decide bird in the hand versus franchise quarterback in the bush, and they're going presumably with Zach Wilson in the hopes that he takes them to that level where they contend every single year, regardless of what the quality is or isn't of the supporting cast. That's the quarterback everyone wants. Sam Donald, you put the supporting cast around him, maybe he'll be good enough. Shereen, that's what the Panthers are banking on, at least for now, until that option falls into their lap to get a true shortlist franchise quarterback if it comes next year or the year after that. Yeah, I think he's going to get better coaching where he is now, and I think he has a better cast surrounding him, right? Now the Panthers can use that number eight overall pick on best available, whoever that is, whether it's to help Sam Darnold in the offense or to help that defense. But he has weapons, Mike, and and we know Robbie Anderson, they have a great connection, and Robbie Anderson had a career year last year. He's getting Christian McCaffrey back. He's got some weapons on that offense. He's got a better offensive line than what he has. He's going to have an opportunity to show that he can be that franchise guy that he thinks he is and the Jets at one time thought he was. Meanwhile, the Carolina Panthers continue to have Teddy Bridgewater under contract, $33 million fully guaranteed given to Bridgewater when they signed him last year. Here's Rule talking about the future of Teddy Bridgewater, which presumably will not be as a member of the Carolina Panthers. Here it comes. Trust me. Here it comes. I swear. I wouldn't lie to you. Here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater. Matt Roll. I, I think you guys all know how I feel about Teddy as a professional. Um, you know, as a person, I believe that he can he can win as a quarterback in this league. I, I believe that he can move the ball and uh, do good things. Um, I believe that uh, whatever situation he walks into, he's going to walk in with a great attitude. So, um, but but in terms of what will happen, I honestly would have to say, you know, we'll have to wait and see how things play out. You know, over the over the coming weeks. Um, um, you know, for him and for us. Yeah, here's how it's going to play out. It's simple. It's simple. They're either going to trade him or they're going to cut him. That's how it's going to play out. And if they trade him, they may have to pay part of the $10 million fully guaranteed that he's already due to make. He's going to have to agree to take less than the $17 million that he's due to make in salary this year to facilitate a trade. If he wants to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm not taking a penny less than $17 million, he's eventually going to get cut and the Panthers will pay him the difference between whatever he makes somewhere else maybe with the Buccaneers at $1.075 million and the $10 million fully guaranteed he's due to make this year. That's it. He's going to be traded if he's willing to cooperate, and there's a team out there that's willing to cooperate, and the Panthers are willing to pay a little bit of that money, or he's going to get cut. It's that simple. They're not paying him $17 million to be on the roster this year, Shereen. 
Yeah, no question about that. We know Teddy Bridgewater is moving on somewhere else. And if I'm the Panthers, I try to trade him wherever I can outside the division because there's a good chance if he gets cut, he can go take the minimum and, hey, go back to New Orleans, go to Tampa. There's lots of options there in the division for Teddy Bridgewater if he's going to be a backup, if he's not going to get a chance to start somewhere. So if I am if I am the Panthers, I want to trade him and I want to trade him somewhere else. I don't want to take the chance that he's going to come back uh, and, and beat me and and I have some demons uh, left over from from cutting him, Mike. So I'm going to trade him wherever I can outside the division. Of course, if I don't believe in him, then it's a Trajan, Trojan horse. Yeah, like, go ahead, play for the Buccaneers. Well, sure, take him, take him. Sure, we we think he's not very good. Although I think he's the guy that he always was. I think he was no different last year than he yeah. ever had been. I just think that David Tepper, the owner of the team, is so intent on getting a franchise quarterback that. Teddy Bridgewater's not good enough. And there's a chance a year from now, the conclusion is going to be Sam Darnold is not good enough. In Philadelphia, it turned out Carson Wentz wasn't good enough, nor was Doug Peterson, nor was a lot of guys who had been on the roster since they won the Super Bowl three years ago. There is a long article in The Athletic. And when I say long, it's long. And I apologize that I just don't have it in me to read all of these long-ass articles. I'm sorry. I still believe you should get a T-shirt if you can prove that you read one of these things start to finish. And I would submit to you that not many T-shirts would have to be made because I doubt that even the members of the media who shout from on high what a great thing it is that this long article was written, they don't read all of it either, Shireen. Sorry. Just a what? rant that I, I have I, to. Can I admit I didn't read all of it? How can, how can anyone at a certain point? Here's what happens. You start reading with every intent, with every intent. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. And then after about five or six paragraphs, it's scroll, 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 scroll. Look for something that jumps off the page. Isn't that what we all do? Isn't that what we do? So why write a long ass article like that? What am I missing? Uh, I like to write them. Uh, You just don't have enough time to read them, Mike. I, I agree with you. You don't have time enough to read them. You don't. Nobody does. Yeah, I, I mean, it's in this day and age, the way things are moving, the, especially if you're in the business, you don't have time to shut your workday down for 45 minutes and study a long article. I appreciate the effort. I'm not being, well, I am being critical. I'm being critical of the whole the whole mindset. Like, like it's, oh, this is a good thing. It's not a good thing anymore. Maybe it was a good thing years ago when they actually printed things on paper and people waited to get Sports Illustrated and it was actually more than a five-page pamphlet, the thing that came to your house. Maybe it was a good thing then when we had nothing better to do. We didn't have phones, right? We had four channels on the TV, but but it, it, it takes too much time. No one is savoring the poetry of sports writing anymore. I'm sorry. They're not, Shireen. It's a different world. It's transactional. It's informational. Tell me what you've learned. Tell me what you've learned. And what we've learned is, shocker, there's dysfunction in Philadelphia. And there is some some compelling explanation of the way that Doug Peterson allegedly, reportedly was treated by the team, micromanaged every Tuesday, got called into the principal's office and had to explain himself away. Even when they beat the Packers on Thursday night in the 2019 season, when it was the only home loss the Packers had for a long time in the Matt LaFleur regime, had to answer a bunch of questions about that. Why aren't you passing anymore? And it's that tension between analytics and football. Analytics and football, one of the things in there that validates one of my beliefs about the current state of the NFL, Shireen, the owners and the analytics people have a tighter bond than the owners and the football people. And the analytics people have a hell of a lot more sway than we realize over the owner 
the one who ultimately makes the big decisions about where the football program is going. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike. And and I think we've seen that. And we've seen it with, with a bunch of organizations. I don't know if every organization is like that, but a bunch of them have gone that way, no question. And you look even when that article talked about the 2017 season, if the Eagles had gotten off to a slow start, they were already preparing to replace Doug Peterson. And, of course, they got off to a 10-1 and start and ended up winning the Super Bowl that year. So, so that didn't happen. But it, it's amazing to me how this organization has fallen apart so quickly. I mean, 2017, right? They're Super Bowl champions. They end this, this long run of not having a championship team over 50 years, and they win a championship, and all of a sudden, this whole thing has come tumbling down, and it so much feels like they're in rebuild mold. They're 22 and 25 and 1. Uh, since that Super Bowl. And I just don't know how it went so wrong so fast, but it certainly did. I know Carson Wentz played a part in that, but it just sounds like this was a team in dysfunction even before they won the Super Bowl, Mike. Yeah, and they got a lot to do to turn it around. And they're a team that I mentioned on Friday in an item at PFT. Still keep an eye on them as a potential Deshaun Watson destination at some point. They're the team that gave Mike Vick his second chance after his legal issues of 2007 through 2009. I'm not saying now. I'm not saying soon. I'm saying whenever, wherever the Deshaun Watson career continues, do not rule out the Philadelphia Eagles unless they have somebody better than Deshaun Watson at the time he becomes available. The Kansas City Chiefs uh, had a linebackers coach, Britt Reed, who is the son of head coach Andy Reed. His contract expired after the season. He was not kept around. One of the reasons, presumably, he wasn't kept around is because of the incident that occurred the Thursday night before the Super Bowl. Britt Reed now charged with DWI, Class D felony, facing a prison sentence of one to seven years, according to 41 Action News in Kansas City. How about this? 0.113 blood alcohol concentration. That is 0.033 above the 0.08 legal limit in every state. Now, an, an analysis concluded that Reed was driving 83.9 miles per hour. I hope that wasn't the speed at the time of impact of the vehicle that was parked. My goodness. But uh, a, a horrific situation. We've talked from time to time about the five-year-old girl who was horribly injured and will have permanent injuries, according to the reports that are out there. But Britt Reed facing uh, prison and uh, his coaching career may be permanently on hold. And there are still unanswered questions about where he was drinking at a time when the pandemic limits the options to go out to a bar or a restaurant. And when you're at work the week of the Super Bowl, practice meetings in your office at the facility, what did the Chiefs know and when did they know it? I think that's going to be a question that ultimately is explored not by the criminal process, but by the civil process. When an effort is made on behalf of the people who were injured in this accident to find compensation for the medical bills that will be significant, that already are and will continue to be if there are permanent injuries, you look anywhere you can for somebody who may be legitimately responsible. And if there's an argument to be made that the chiefs knew or should have known that, that Britt Reed was engaged in these activities and he went and got on the car. You know, it's tougher than the typical dram shop case when you prove that you served someone who shouldn't have been served. But if there's a legal theory to be articulated and if there's reason to say that the Chiefs knew or should have known what was going on, Shereen, that may be a, a path that this eventually takes in the effort to find compensation for the expenses that will arise as a result 
of this of this incident that was sparked by Britt Reed. And such a tragic story, Mike. And I think another lesson to everyone, don't drink and drive. In this day and age of Uber and Lyft and everything else, there is no, and there never was a reason to do it, but far less reason now with all the share rides available that, that you can get so easily. So it's just another lesson. Don't do it. And, and, and don't do it multiple times either. I mean, that's another thing here. You know, if, you, if you've done it once and made a mistake and got away with not hurting anybody or killing anyone, don't do it again. I mean, just just don't. Don't drink and drive. That's the lesson I did. One of the most significant changes in our society over the last 40 years has been the dramatically increased sensitivity to the issue of drunk driving. The fact that the people who do it are made into pariahs, as they should be. And nowadays, this thing we carry around that there are so many bad things about, one of the good things is you press a button and a car shows up. And if you're too inebriated to press a button and have a car show up, then you definitely shouldn't leave where you are, especially not with your car keys. It's that simple. I remember there was a time 10 years ago or so, pre-Uber, pre-Lyft, pre-ride-sharing apps, where the NFL and NFLPA had yeah. a system available where all you had to do was call it, and players were reluctant because they thought the information was going to go back to the teams. Nowadays, you do it all on your own. It's no big deal. It's 10, 15 bucks. It's, you get home, and you are safe, and more importantly, no one else is at danger because you're behind the wheel of a 2,000, 3,000-pound steel machine that can wreak all sorts of havoc. Uh, one more item real quickly that popped up today, just kind of out of the blue. Charles Barkley appearing on the Jim Brockmeyer podcast. Yes, a fictional character has a podcast, Hank Azaria, playing the role of Jim Brockmeyer. Here's Charles Barkley, and I hope we've bleeped this because the language was salty. Charles Barkley just kind of casually mentioning that he turned down an opportunity to be on Monday Night Football. Here he is. These guys, they have the they feel the need to comment on everything that's happening in the world. I only comment on basketball. Like they offer me Monday Night Football. I says, I like football, but I ain't gonna be one of these jackasses to get on TV and act like he know about football. <laughs> As a jackass who gets on TV and acts like he knows about football, I. I'd say, what's wrong? What's the problem, Charles? Uh, you know, he's already got a job talking about basketball. He doesn't need to do it like we do it. But I'm told, sources close to me tell me, that there was a time back when ABC had Monday Night Football where there were conversations with Charles Barkley about potentially doing a halftime segment every week where he talked with Al Michaels and John Madden about anything, just anything and uh that may be what he's referring to although that's not the classic get in the booth and do monday night football although chances are a little bit of charles at halftime on monday night football may have led to a lot more charles but there may have been some other option that emerged over the past 10 or 15 years shereen but there was a time when abc had monday night football that they did offer him a chance to get together with al and john madden at halftime every week and he passed on that i'm told He's so, sources. he's so good on the on the NBA, Mike. I, I'm curious. I, it really makes me curious to see how good or how bad he perhaps he would be doing the NFL. How much does he know about the NFL? I don't know. But he certainly would be funny, and you certainly would tune in at least initially to see what he had to say. And Maybe it ends up Dennis Miller-like, and it's a flaming failure. Uh, but I would love to see just to see if he can make it work. 
I met Charles Barkley 10 years ago when he was hosting Saturday Night Live, and we used to do Football Night in America in that same area. I walked up to him, I introduced myself, and he said, I know who you are. Like, okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Charles Barkley. And that was the only thing that I ever said to Charles Barkley in my entire life. Let's take a break. We're going to say more than that to Gregory Rousseau, one of the top pass rushers in this year's draft class. We'll talk to him when PFTPM continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seventeen days away from the 2021 NFL Draft, and one of the top pass rushers in this year's class joins us now live. Gregory Rousseau. He was the ACC Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2019 with 15 and a half sacks, one less than Chase Young, who went number two last year. Greg, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey, now let me start with this because I said Greg, but I see Gregory. What's your <laughs> preference? We need to know. We need to know. We're going to be saying your name all the time. Greg is solid. I like Greg. I like Greg. Um, I saw that that before we talk about what you do as a pass rusher, I saw that you played receiver in high school, and I saw some video on your Twitter page of a really tall, skinny kid that supposedly is you running pass routes. What what drew you to the defensive side of the ball at the next level? Um. I'd really say, like, during recruitment, I got a lot of my bigger offers for defense and, like, the outside linebacker slash DN position. But a big part of it was definitely Coach Diaz, who was – back then he was a D.C. He sat me down and he told me that he uh, saw Manny Lawson in my game, Manny Lawson at NC State, or was on that coaching staff. So he told me that I reminded of Manny Lawson. And then him drawing that comparison really made me um, think about the, making that switch to – that's what I did. You, you talk about Manny Lawson. I read a, an article where you compared yourself to Chandler Jones being asked a, a question about Chandler Jones because of the similar body style. Who do you think you're most alike that plays in the NFL now? I'd say either Chandler Jones because, like, we're both, like, long-limbed 
like Striders, you know, we're going to use it on our list. But I'd also say Calais Campbell because he condenses. He plays the three-tech, zero, five, the nine. So he plays all over defensive line, and he's done that throughout his career. So those are two great comparisons for me, I feel like. I saw that Calais Campbell had some uh, some praise for you and said he could be better than me. Now, when you hear something like that from Calais Campbell, he could be better than me. It's got to make you feel good, but it's also got to make you feel a little pressure to live up to that kind of an expectation. Uh, yeah, I'd say more than anything, it really just motivates me, you know. For him to talk about me like that is awesome. It's a blessing, you know, but now I just got to go out there and prove him right. So I got to make sure that every day I'm getting, I'm every day I'm getting better, you know, improving in something, whether it's mental, physical, like anything. So hopefully one day I'll be better than him. That's, that's my goal for sure. Cause he's a heck of a player. He's amazing. You did your pre-draft training, I think, at Pensacola. Now you said you're back in South Florida. What's really been the focus for you pre-combine and, and pre-pro day? I guess no real combine this year, but pre-pro day, really, what's been the focus for you? Uh, like I said, it's always getting better, you know, taking that sort of greatness every single day. I'd say one thing I've been focusing on a lot has definitely been like just like my D-line technique, so getting off the ball as quick as possible, but also working my hands because a lot of times uh, being a defensive lineman, you beat the offensive line's hands, you beat the man. So that's a big thing for my position. So just working my hands at all times and always working my get-off. And also my pad level because I'm a taller guy, so it's easier when you're taller to have tendencies to get up high during your rush. So really just staying low, doing all that stuff to make me the best player possible. How hard was it for you to put weight on that frame? I still think about the video of you running pass routes when you were younger. You had to put in a lot of work to bulk up yeah. to the size you are now and, and a lot of time at the at the table with a fork and a knife. Both of them. Both of them. I used to eat with my um, nutritionist at Miami. We, he'd like call me in the room and he'd make like this big bowl of chicken Alfredo and I'd have to just like scarf it down. So that part was tough. <laughs> but uh, definitely a lot of hard work in the weight room and a lot of hard work when it comes to nutrition for sure. And it's, it's paying off. You, you and Jalen Phillips were one of the best pass rushing duos in college football in 2019. And you saw what he did last year. And unfortunately, I think he has COVID now. But how do you think he's going to be in pro football? Can he can he continue to do what he did in college over the last two years? I think he definitely will. You know, he's a great player. Uh, he's super competitive. He's a he's a freak athlete, obviously, but he's also a really good person, you know, and he's really determined. So just for him to battle back from all that adversity, that happened um, earlier in his career. It it shows so much about him as a person and him as a player. So I feel like he's gonna have a great career in uh, in the pros. I saw recently you accepted an invitation to be in Cleveland for the draft. How long did it take you to think about that? Because some guys go, some guys don't. Was it something you wrestled with, or did you know immediately you wanted to go? Uh, I thought about it, talked to my family about it and stuff like that. But I feel like it was the right decision for me to go. I'm, it's a moment I've been waiting for my whole entire life. I've been dreaming about it. So to have the opportunity uh, to go to Cleveland in person is a huge blessing, especially with COVID these days and how last draft was how the last draft was virtual. I mean, it's awesome to be able to go in person and shake the commissioner's hand. So that's my goal, you know, and I, I couldn't turn it down. I couldn't. It's, it's been a lifelong dream. All right. You dreamed of playing in the NFL. Was there a team you grew up wanting to play for? Uh, no team in particular. I mean, I was a Dolphins fan because everybody down here is a Dolphins fan, but I'm going to be a fan of the team that drafts me. That's going to be my team for sure. I'm going to have all the jerseys. Well, 
uh, Gregory, there's there's always one box that I check when it's time to talk to the guys getting ready to get drafted, and it's whether or not you've pulled up Madden, created a player that is you, and tried on all the different uniforms to see which one looks best. Have you done it and which one looks best? Of course. I mean, I don't know. I can't say which one looks best, but I've been doing this since I was a little kid, so of course I've done that. <laughs> that's my that's my whole entire life right there. I love Madden. You've played so many great players in the ACC. Who's the best player you've played against? Best player? I'd say Cam Makers, Florida State. He was a monster. Uh, Gregory, we mentioned COVID a little bit ago, and you're one of the guys who made the conscientious decision not to play in 2020 because of what was going on with the pandemic. And look, I fully support that. It was a crazy time. It was scary. People didn't want to travel. People didn't want to leave the home. Nobody knew how bad it was going to be. Nobody knew what the protections would be for college football players. The NCAA wasn't as involved as the NFL was for the pro teams. What were the main factors that drove your decision? How do you feel about it now that we're hopefully getting toward the other side of the pandemic? I mean, I'm glad it's coming to an end. What went to my decision was definitely just the uncertainty and Everything that was going on, that was going on at the time it was really just really crazy times and just not knowing what's going to happen day after day. And I feel like, but I feel like we're definitely trending in the right direction. I feel like it should be gone in the near future. And I think your mom's a, a nurse or was a nurse too, yeah. right? Yeah, my mom was a nurse. How, she was did that play? COVID. Yeah, she was dealing with COVID patients, so she saw like most of personal woes going on. You know. In this process leading up to the draft, and I've heard this from different players, questions that you get from teams about why you did what you did. And, you know, there are some teams that may hold it against a guy who made the decision, assuming that they didn't love football. What kind of reaction have you gotten from NFL teams to the fact that you did choose to sit out last year because of the pandemic? I feel like I got a pretty positive reaction for sure. I mean, they're just dotting their eyes and crossing their T's, trying to make sure that I am a player who loves football. So they always ask me, why do you opt out? But when the decision, so I just always confirm that I do love football. I'm a competitor, and I'm ready to get the pads back on. Did it worry you at all, Gregory, that you, you only had really the one year on film? Or you thought that one year was good enough for them to see? Nah, nah, it didn't worry me. I proved, I feel like I proved a lot in my, in my one year where I did play, you know, uh, I feel like I did a lot of a lot of great things in the run game and the passing game, and I feel like I was a great teammate. So I feel like my resume speaks for itself, my film speaks for itself, and I'm I'm ready to get to the next level and show what I can do for real. Do you have an idea, Gregory, as to what your ceiling is and what your floor is in the draft? Uh, I mean, I'm not sure. I don't read into too much of that stuff. I just know that I'm going to maximize my potential for sure. You know, I'm going to be the best player I can be. I'm a whatever franchise I'm going to work hard every single day. I'm going to improve and and I'm going to find something every time I touch the field or every time I'm even in the meeting room. So I feel like I'm going to just focus on, on focus on that and get 1% better every single day. Have you gotten any good reads from any of the teams that you feel like really like you? Uh, Yeah, I mean, a couple of them, but like from like draft stories I've been hearing, it's like sometimes like you get picked by – a team that doesn't that hasn't even really talked to me like that. So I mean, I'm just keeping all the doors open. 
You know, it's six foot seven uh, and uh, highly athletic. There are other sports that maybe you could have tried. If it wasn't football, what would you be doing yeah. athletically? Uh, I mean, probably basketball, but I just never had that love for basketball like I love football. So, I mean, basketball is fun, but it was more like a side sport. You know, I played it here and there. It was fun, but football has just always been that sport for me, you know? What sparked that love of football? Yeah. Where'd that come from? I'd say... I've said a Madden video game, so just just having that in the house at an early age really just made me like super interested in this world. And when I got on the field and started playing it, fell in love with it even more. You've talked about wanting to improve in all areas. Is there one specific area you you feel like you really need to improve at to have a great rookie year? Uh, I, I definitely say for me, just getting my hands put there is a big thing. You know, because NFL is like you beat the hands, you beat the hands. So that's huge. Well, Gregory, I play a lot of Madden, even though I'm old. I'm not supposed to. Right. I do. And I'm always looking for a good edge rusher. I like using that goal line man formation where you bring the right side outside linebacker up to, and he gets mm-hmm. on top of the quarterback before the quarterback can get rid of the ball. So I'm looking yeah. forward to getting Gregory Rousseau coming off the edge 95 speed and putting the quarterback on his ass before he gets, gets a chance to throw it. I can't wait for that. It's fair. Use me, man. Use me. I got you. <laughs> all right. Well, Hey, we, we wish you all the best. Congratulations on your success at the university of Miami. We look forward to seeing what happens for you in 17 days. NFL draft coming up all the best. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. For sure. Thanks for having me. God bless, man. Thank you. All right. You too, pal. There he is. Gregory Rousseau. University of Miami, 15 and a half sacks back in 2019. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with more right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Town 
totally removed from the Houston Texans in-house video program known as Texans 360. That's the open. No sign of Deshaun Watson. He used to be in that thing multiple times. The latest piece of evidence that the Texans are moving on from Deshaun Watson. He doesn't want to be there. And frankly, they probably don't want him. The problem is it's too late to trade him. And, you know, Shereen, the great irony of this would be if he's not tradable because these civil lawsuits, 22 now and possibly more, have been filed and are moving through the court system, it's possible that the NFL would eventually put him on the commissioner exempt list. I wrote this today and I said it last week. Don't be shocked if he shows up, if he scraps the plan to not report, because if he does report and gets put on the commissioner exempt list, he gets paid in full for 2021 and loses no money and doesn't have to play. This is his way of not playing for the Texans and still getting paid. And I'm sure that the Texans will regard that as an unfair outcome, but that's how the paid leave procedures work. I don't like the paid leave procedures. I don't think it's good for anybody. It just allows the NFL to not have players who are facing charges that have not yet been resolved on TV screens and us in a position where we have to talk about them during games, after games, before games, throughout the season. It's a way to take the heat out of a hot kitchen, but it's also a way for Deshaun Watson to get paid at a time when he otherwise was not going to show up for the Houston Texans this year. Shereen, that could be where this is heading. Gosh, Mike, you think about the timeline with Deshaun Watson. I mean, think back to September when he signs the huge contract, right? He leads the league in passing, but the Texans are terrible. He comes out the day after the season or right after the, the last game uh, and, and criticizes, you know, the, the entire Texans organization and says, here's what we need. And then all of a sudden he asked for a trade. And now here we are with him being untradeable. I, you, do, you just can't fathom really what's happened over the last few months. I mean, it's not even been a year to go from being a well-paid star of a team that thinks they're going to have him forever and he's going to lead them to multiple championships to now basically an untradeable and the team doesn't want you either. What, where does your future land? And, and no one knows that right now. You talk about not knowing what somebody's future is. I think it's absolutely no one knows right now what Deshaun Watson's future is. Yeah, absolutely. And Miles Simmons and I talked about this last week, and, and I'm just going to summarize this briefly for anyone who missed it. I want to write something about it at PFT as to how these processes will play out with 22 lawsuits. But assuming that they do one trial, ultimately, potentially for each lawsuit, it's possible some would be resolved. Others will go forward. Who knows? You've got 22 different individuals who have their own rights and their own decisions that they can make as to how they go about moving forward with these cases and these claims, you could have, in theory, 22 trials. And when you consider the lower standard of proof, the he said, she said nature of these allegations, if you have 22 trials, Shereen, this is the equivalent of 22 coin flips all coming up your way. That's how much of a crapshoot taking a case to trial is. The judge, the jury, so many factors that come into it, so much uncertainty. The chances of winning every single one of those for Deshaun Watson are very, very, very small. As long as you have basic testimony that doesn't get thrown out of court, that gets put in front of a jury, you never know which jury is going to respond well to Deshaun Watson and which one won't. That's what he's facing if he doesn't find a way to make this situation right 
with a settlement of as many of these claims as possible, if not all of them, and his career potentially is going to be put on hold until these cases are resolved, which could take up to really 18 months to two years. Yeah, and I was going to ask, Mike, how long this potentially could take, because we know nothing moves fast through the court system. So wouldn't it be beneficial to him to make these things go away, to settle all 22 of these cases? Um, it's Look, this is going to take a while, and the question becomes, what will the NFL do if there's not criminal charges, but if there are civil charges, if there are this many? Antonio Brown's playing, played last year. Plenty of guys play with civil lawsuits pending, but with 22 of them, what will the NFL do? And if any traction happens with these criminal cases, that's the kind of thing that could mean that Deshaun Watson doesn't play again at all until this all gets resolved. So we'll see how it all plays out. Let's take a break. We're going to wrap up this Monday edition of PFTPM right after this. Peter King reported today in Football Morning in America that Kevin James is going to play Sean Payton in a movie based on the 2012 season when Payton was suspended for the Bounty Gate scandal and coached his son's youth football team. Home team is the name of the Maverick, the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, look, you got to get if you're going to put Sean Payton's head over Paul Blart's body, you got to give him some sort of a neck. That's disturbing. And of course, the Saints responded, the king of beating Atlanta, the longest running show in Atlanta. Well done by the social media teams with the Falcons and the Saints. I don't know if the movie's going to be any good or not. I don't see Kevin James playing Sean Payton unless one of them gains a lot of weight or one of them loses a lot of weight. But that inspired our final segment for today, our picks for actors who could play NFL head coaches, I guess past, present, whenever. Shireen, I'll let you go first. Well, I'm going to start, and unfortunately, we didn't have long enough with John Candy, right? He died far too early in his life, but what a talented actor he was and what a perfect John Madden he would have made. I would have loved to have seen John Candy play John Madden. See, I'll see your John Candy as John Madden, and I will raise you Chris Farley as John Madden. It would be a very interesting interpretation of John Madden. But, you know, (laughs) that kind of the old school John Madden in the 60s with the hair wet and combed. Yeah, that's kind of the Matt Foley character. Just drop the glasses. It's the same. It's the same ensemble. Just don't dive through coffee tables, although maybe that's what John Madden did. All right. My first one is Sir Anthony Hopkins is Bill Belichick because uh, uh, I just I can see I can just uh, I could see yeah. Hopkins nail Bill Belichick and it wouldn't be much of a stretch from his work as Hannibal Lecter. And I thought of Tommy Lee Jones as Bill Belichick, too. I thought he would make a, a good Bill Belichick. There seemed like a lot of guys out there that would fill the Bill Belichick role for sure. Tommy Lee Jones from No Country for Old Men would be a very, very good Bill yeah. Belichick. A lot of similarities there in the style and the attitude and the demeanor. Well done. What else did you have? I'm going to go Matthew McConaughey for Sean McVay because they all both have that pretty boy look, right? And we know McConaughey is a big sports fan. He supports University of Texas athletics a lot. I can't believe I'm picking a Longhorn, but I think Matthew McConaughey would make a great Sean McVay. 
And it wouldn't be a huge stretch. McConaughey played the head coach of the Marshall Thundering Herd in We Are Marshall, the movie about the plane crash that happened November 15, 1970. Speaking of the 70s, and this is one that actually did happen. And I remember thinking that this guy was a spitting image for the coach that he played. This isn't one of my picks. I'm just doing this as an aside. You may remember this, Shireen, when the Tuesday night movies of the week were big, so big that then they had Wednesday night movies of the week. Ernest Borgnine played Vince Lombardi once upon a time, and they really did look a lot alike. Yeah. Yeah. And I do remember that, Mike, and they did look a lot alike, and that would be a good one. That would be perfect. All right. We have a video that has been posted of Julian Edelman playing Julian Edelman. It is his farewell to the Patriots, and listen closely. I haven't seen it. I haven't heard it. It may be a farewell to football for good, so maybe he won't be with the Buccaneers. Only one way to find out. Have a listen. Have a look. Here's Julian Edelman. Nothing in my career has ever come easy. And no surprise, this isn't going to be easy either. Now, I've always said, I'm going to go until the wheels come off. And uh, they finally have fallen off. Due to an injury last year, I'll be making my official announcement of my retirement from football. It was a hard decision, but the right decision for me and my family. And I'm honored and so proud to be retiring a Patriot. I'm going to leave you guys with two words. Foxborough forever. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.